You're listening to The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. In every episode, we will discuss the topics and trends, the issues and ideas, the challenges and opportunities facing senior business leaders today. This series is one more way we want to engage with our network of industry executives. Thanks for joining us. Hello again, everyone. You're joining us for another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm head of content and research. My guest today is Tony Lowe from Huge. Um, she hosted a, a roundtable discussion at lunch at the North American HR Executive Summit um, on the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, a lot of great people around a, a table talking about a subject that is so important to HR professionals, and she's agreed to share some of her time and, and tell us how the conversation went. Tony, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start off with uh, what was the actual title of your uh, themed lunch discussion and why did you choose it? So the title of my theme luncheon was Centering Equity in Your DE&I Journey. And uh, I chose it because um, we're at a very pitiful time for, you know, uh, diversity, equity and inclusion. And one where there was this mass acceleration and adoption of DEI in a major way in 2020. And then, of course, with what you've seen in the landscape of DEI from, you know, some of the decisions that came down from our Supreme Court, uh, as well as um, just the overall economic downturn that has impacted DEI. I feel like a lot of people are confused about what sort of work they should be doing. And the acronym of DE&I is sort of sometimes lumped together and people are, um, they forget that it, that each word means something. And I think when you're thinking about ways in which you can move your, your company forward and the world in terms of societal change, equity has to be not only at the center in which it's already placed, but it also has to be brought forward, right? And so, uh, at my company, uh, I shared some of the best practices we're doing, but really just as an expert in the field. And I say expert lightly because, you know, there's no, there's no one single person doing this alone, but as somebody who's in the work and a practitioner who's been doing it for many years, I thought it was important for us to start talking about things that are um, super important in the work. Maybe just before we get into the actual uh, lunch conversation itself, you could uh, give us an introduction to your organization, HUGE. Yeah, so HUGE is a creative consultancy. And so what does that mean? We're sort of the hidden gem, so to speak, behind some of the most ambitious uh, organizations in the world. You know, Google, for one, and Nike, and Zelle, and, you know, Lego, uh, for example, right? And so when you are engaging with um, their digital platforms, perhaps you're ordering shoes or your kid's Happy Meal, um, or uh, there's a technology like Zelle where the banking industry has to solve for you know, their, their mass competitors at Cash App and PayPal, we're the company who comes in and kind of figures out how we can help the company, not only with growth acceleration, but solve real problems in the world. And that also, you know, continues with diversity, equity, and inclusion as well. I, I was just going to say, I have yeah. to think uh, a creative force is really connected to people, is really trying to get... Um, build opportunities, but also get the most out of the people who are involved with them and working with them. So what a great place to start for the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the themed lunch itself. Yeah. Um, you don't have to name names, of mm -hmm. course, but um, 10 people sign up to this thing. They're sitting mm -hmm. around a table. They've picked it because you picked that topic. Right. What was the makeup of the, the companies? Were they large? Were they small? Were you 
a little bit of, of everything, right? So everywhere from, you know, 1,100-person company, small company, 700, I think, might have been the smallest at the table, um, to 50,000. Um, and so uh, and everyone having a unique interest in wanting some advice on their particular equity journey and how they center it in the work. Um, and so for me, I started with the landscape of why uh, I feel like equity is such an important topic that oftentimes um, is overlooked inside of the work of DE&I. And as you know, when companies are at the very infancy stage of their journey, the first things that I joke, the first thing that they want to do is they want to have a public point of view. And then they want to have internal employee resource groups, right? Um, and for me, that's absolutely the wrong thing to be doing. And so I talked about sort of a cycle of importance in, in order of what I believe are the three most important things to start in your journey. And the first um, really is, um, you know, practice and power to evaluate the internal power dynamics of your organization and the practices and preferences and traditions that exist inside those organizations and challenge them, right? Right? Because if you think about organizations that were seated at the table, some were 20 years old and some were 100 years old. If you think about what was happening 100 years ago, well, we were in a workforce that ne didn't necessarily represent marginalized community or, you know, gender-based hiring, right? Um, and so at, at, at the end of the day, um, these are organizations that inherently have systemic issues, whether they have chosen to be that way today or not. But inherently, if the organization wasn't built for a community of people, it's going to be reflective in things that they've inherited. So we talked, uh, we talked about that. So that was the first thing. Um, the second, the second thing was access, creating access and opportunity, um, which is about how do we look across our workforce and look for uncovered stones that we can challenge inside of the way that we're doing things in terms of access. And, and when we talk about equity, it means that the data has to tell the story, right? Equity is not where everyone, it's not to be confused with equality, right? People often confuse those two words, but equality is everyone gets the same slice of pie, right? Everything's fair. But equity is about looking at the data and determining who gets what in order to make things equitable. If you've ever seen that little cartoon where they're like blocks, right? Um, th that is what that is. And so really being able to assess inside the work that you're doing, you know, what, what that is. And then um, lastly is building trust and credibility. And often I find when you think about what I started, which, which is a point of view um, externally and then um, employee resource groups is what people want to start with, but that's really what they need to end with, right? So once you have established, um, you've challenged power dynamics and practices internally, um, and then you, you've, you've moved to creating opportunities and access, then you can focus on your brand reputation and build credibility because you're doing that and and the proof is in the pudding i mean it already sounds like an amazing lunch and i can see why you picked the topic you had, you had this incredible insight to share which as you say you're starting from a place that most people want to drop in the the visible thing yeah do that at the end do the hard insta inside stuff first when you were going around the table did other people have insights that surprised you or, or maybe informed some of what you're going to take away from the lunch you know, they had lots of questions more than anything, right? How how do they influence really conservative organizations? And I talked about my history prior to, to Huge working for some of the largest companies in the world that were a little bit more conservative. And I still think that equity work, I also had people who said, well, you know, I have a, a leadership team who is is 
who feels like I need to just focus on diversity and inclusion and they're not ready for the E. Um, and, and my, my thought is like, you can go out, um, you can go out and I, and I, and I say this oftentimes, you can get 51 flavors of ice cream and you can, you can bring it into your home. But if you don't have a freezer, then the conditions for that ice cream is going to melt. That is equity work is about equitable experiences, uh, that you create an environment where everyone has the opportunity, whether or not they take it to thrive. Right. So, so doing just the D right. Focusing on just the representation does not help the conditions internally. And if I don't have the same conditions internally, then I don't feel included or like I belong, right? So when you think about the D, the I, and the B, the work really starts with shared language and a consistent process and, and a hygiene and infrastructure in, in terms of the internal workings of your company that is consistent. When I hear that, you know, in the privacy of a lunch, they say, you know, I struggle with this in my leadership team, in, mm -hmm. in my company, there are organizations out there that worry about this. I think so many people who are probably listening to this episode, yeah. they, they saw the title and said, this is a pain point for us too. Um, I have to think it starts off with uh, good examples and building ambassadors and saying, mm -hmm. we can demonstrate that this works. What are some of the things that organizations that are coming up against that hard starting point getting the ball rolling, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, I think that there are so many internal examples, but I think it's about getting curious and asking why, right? Um, I think it's also about understanding your personal involvement, you know, understanding um, institutional uh, sort of inequity and structural inequity. And we talked a little bit, we talked through that a little bit. And I think Ultimately, when you know there's a, there's a lot of fear in the E word for for companies, but I really think it's about unturning you know and, and overturning I would say internal stones that are you're, you're questioning why why are we doing this the way that we're doing one of the things that I that shared is that you know. Um, we have done some amazing things internally um, to to create as much as possible because everyone has an imperfect company. No one is getting this right all the time. But we've done some internal things to really try to align, particularly in talent performance, equitable experiences. We've we've adopted a partnership um, with a tool to to make sure that the consistency around performance management and promotion um, is is the same. We've also adopted a promotion when ready versus an annual assessment to allow for us to look at inequitable, um, you know, sort of growth and, and make decisions in real time as opposed to like annually. Um, we, we have, we, we're doing um, training to help our leaders adopt shared language around the understanding of how we got here um, um, internally. And so I feel like um, equity, there's so many ways and even supplier diversity, I talked a little bit about that in our journey with supplier diversity um, and how we are affecting the larger community from a social impact perspective. Um, we went from just passively tracking it and, and, and coming in around 4 million to 15.4 million, you know, two years later, because we are paying attention um, to the dollars and the equity in that process, right? Um, so I shared a lot of real world experiences. I also shared, um, you know, other, you know, organizations and some of the work that they've been doing to give real world examples to the people who attended around the sort of things that they could be looking at, right? And I think a lot of times, you know, um, it's like control what you can control, right? And I think a good a good place to start is 
um, picking out, you know, three things inside of your organization that systemically have been flawed and getting into the data and the, and the reasons and questioning it and seeing how you can influence that to have better equitable outcomes in the future. I think this speaks so powerfully to a, a trend I've seen in HR professionals where you're you're treating every employee as a whole person. And yeah. that whole person needs to be understood not just from you know what they're doing during their work life, what, what they want, what they need, what they understand, what they hope for in the future. And companies that get that right get to call themselves employers of choice. And they, right. they don't have a talent crunch. They don't have a labor issue. Correct. I think that is another piece of that conversation mm-hmm. that equity isn't one part of DEI, it's actually throughout an organization. Absolutely, right? I mean, I think that is spot on. And I think when you're looking at um, talent, and I think when you think about the evolution of the workforce and where we are today, you know, we're, we're more in a gig economy than ever. And you have, you know, Gen Z's and, and younger millennials and, and then eventually Gen, what is it, Y coming after Gen Z? And um, you have all of these, these uh, generational, we have now for the first time ever five work, you know, five generations in the workplace. <clears throat> and what we're finding is um, that, We've got to change our thinking about, you know, what wellness and wholeness and authenticity means for different people. I'll tell you what we've learned from sort of boomers and older millennials, because I try to split the two because it really is a vast group. Um, and, and then, you know, even traditionalists in the past is that there was a there was more of allegiance to companies. Right. Everybody was waiting for the gold watch and pension still existed. But in this economy, I mean, I, I joke with some of my my leaders teams when we you don't get to become a world-class company without world-class talent and I always say like you know I I you know I have Gen Z Gen Zers in my family and I'm watching them and I'm listening to their experiences and it's like listen they'd rather be they'd rather TikTok than 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 be microaggressed in your workplace so if you don't figure out what the problems are in your culture no one's signing up for that right you know when you you can you can be a TikTok influencer and make seven figures now why would I sign up for that they have options and the beauty of those options are um, that they create a demand uh, for companies to uh, align to their missions and values, right? I need you to be who you say you are from a social impact perspective. I need you to, the clients that you work with and the work that you do to reflect who you say you are. And more than anything, I need you to deliver on your mission relative to my experiences in your workplace. And if you don't, I don't have to stay here. And so I don't know how you become a world-class company without world-class talent. I think this is a topic that, and I think just before the cameras were rolling, we said there's a hundred people who could have done this in a town hall all day. <laughs> you got to have ten people for an hour, sort of brainstorming together. If there was one or two key takeaways that you just want to put to listeners who, who have been listening to all of this and maybe they can apply to some of their own work, what would those be? I would say the first thing is when you look at your specific industry, and everyone's going to be at different stages. I had people who were in construction, academics, um, you know, consumer-based companies at my table, and that means something different for the industry. And so the first question that I always challenge people on is like, to start when you're thinking about your equity journey is to start with personal involvement and how are we participating as a brand. If you look at your historical industry, you know, one of the we have a, a great partnership with N for 13, which was an organization that said, listen, we're going to we're we're challenging the question of why there's a lack of black talent, for example, inside of advertising. And so, you know, that black talent should at the very least reflect 
the percentage of the U.S. workforce. Um, and so we've made commitments to be a partner in that journey. And so what does that mean? So how are we participating in a system that we did not create? And what can we do specifically inside of our brand and the power that we yield in the world based on that brand to change the landscape both internally and externally? Right. Um, <clears throat> and then I'd say the second thing is, um, is that as a reminder to my first original point, is that you don't get to the D, the I or the B without the E. The E is really, you know, and I, I don't care what order you put it in. Some people feel more provocative. They call it, you know, E, E, D, I, B or whatever order I think doesn't matter for me. But what I do think matters is that um, you've got to get curious about the landscape of your organization the power dynamics and so and then how how the business is performing an integrated strategy relative to equitable outcomes, right? And so if you don't um, look at your business from end to end and figure out ways to not only hold your leader, leaders accountable, but also to, to figure out um, how, you're, how you're changing the world and how you're making profit and then look at equitable outcomes internally and externally, um, it's going to be very difficult to live up to being a world-class company. What a, a great note to end on. Tony, yeah. I really appreciate your time today. It sounds like it was a, a fantastic conversation yeah. on an important topic that there is so much more still to discuss. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon.